Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hi, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. We are happy to cooperate with uh, Right Side Broadcasting Network as we bring you this show on that uh, network and on our endabortion.tv network here at Priests for Life. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to pray. I want to update you on a few news items, talk a little bit about what's going on with the Supreme Court. Uh, also, yesterday's primary elections and uh, uh, and various other progress for our America First agenda. So um, first of all, let me tell you before I even go into our opening prayer that this is being uh, taped on uh, Wednesday afternoon because this evening I'm going to be at Mar-a-Lago with President Trump and uh, for Dinesh D'Souza's new film, 2000 Mules. Uh, This film is being previewed there at Mar-a-Lago. I'll be with with Dinesh and with his uh, daughter, Danielle, and uh, many, many uh, supporters, I am sure, who are looking forward as I am to seeing this, uh, this film. Dinesh's films are always so educational, so informative, and informative in an inspiring way. Uh, they help us to understand how we got here. Uh, wherever we are, whatever situation we are in, in American life, in American politics. He helps us understand how we got here in a very deep way, in a very detailed way. And it's with a, it, it, it's with a spirit, it's with an orientation to hope-filled action for the future. And that's really the spirit of this whole program. That's the spirit of the MAGA movement overall, that we face the problems that we have, but we don't let those problems cast us down. We don't let those problems uh, uh, paralyze us. Just the opposite. We see something. We know the principles on which we stand. We know the values uh, that drive our lives and our actions. We know the opportunities that we have to make progress. And so we move forward. We, with determination, with practical resolve, and uh, with unity with one another. So I'll be there, and I look forward to um, uh, reporting to you about it uh, in the future programs uh, this this week. So I want to start with a scripture from the second book of Kings in uh, chapter 18. You know, we have the history of the kings and the scriptures, and some of them affirmed the covenant, some of them denied the covenant, some of them led the people in the ways of God, some of them actually led the people in rebellion against God. Uh, But here we have an example of one of the just kings, Hezekiah. Let's read, beginning of chapter 18. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, son of uh, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, daughter of Zechariah. He pleased the Lord, just as his forefather David had done. It was he who removed the high places, shattered the pillars, and cut down the sacred poles. He smashed the bronze serpent called Nehushtan, which Moses had made, because up to that time, the Israelites were burning incense to it. 
He put his trust in the Lord, the God of Israel. And neither before him nor after him was there anyone like him among all the kings of Judah. Loyal to the Lord, Hezekiah never turned away from him, but observed the commandments which the Lord had given Moses. The Lord was with him, and he prospered in all that he set out to do. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He also subjugated the watchtowers and walled cities of the Philistines all the way to Gaza and its territory. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for kings who obey your law. We thank you, Lord, for elected leaders in our day, in our nation, who obey your law. Your law is changeless. The laws of human beings change. Your kingdom is eternal. The kingdoms of earth are temporary. Your authority is absolute. The authority of human rulers is relative, conditioned, Lord God, on the decrees, on whether the decrees that they put forth or the orders that they issue, the court decisions that they render or the laws they create are in accordance with you, your law, and your will. We pray, therefore, for our brothers and sisters who serve in public office that they may always have the humility and the wisdom to seek your will, to know your law, to lead the people in the ways of justice, and to take their example from these Old Testament rulers who knew how to glorify you rather than to lord it over their people. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. And brothers and sisters, with the midterm elections in full swing, this is the opportunity to translate that prayer we just said into the way we vote, into the way we alert our fellow citizens as to how to vote, as to who the candidates are, as to what to do in these elections. You know, you, you, you see here with uh, Hezekiah how he not only obeyed, the ways of the Lord in his own life. He's obeying them as a leader. So he's taking away occasions of sin from the people. So it mentions here the high places, the pillars, and the sacred poles. What is this referring to? It's referring to the worship of idols. It's referring to the, 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 the pagan religions, those who did not know the Lord in the nations surrounding Israel that the Israelites, unfortunately, contrary to God's command, were mingling with. They were mingling with the practices of these nations, including child sacrifice. Second book of Kings, uh, just in the previous chapter, said that it was the killing of their sons and daughters that led to the uh, Assyrian exile. And then uh, later in chapter 24, it talks about the, uh, the cause of the Babylonian exile. Same thing primarily the shedding of the innocent blood of the children. The high places, he removed the high places. Those who are in authority that follow God want to, I mean, you can't, somebody who's in authority can't either make somebody sin or make somebody commit virtue. What you can do is create the conditions that encourage one or the other. 
So by smashing the pillars in the high places, by, by, by getting rid of these opportunities for false worship, these kings were creating the optimum circumstances for their people to avoid falling into sin and idolatry, to worship the Lord according to his own command. So to give the example is one thing, but then to create the circumstances in public life is another. And, uh, you know, we're not uh, electing pastors when we uh, choose our, our public officials, but we are expecting them to observe uh, the basic law of God and, and, and preserve human rights. That's what, after all, our declaration says governments are instituted to secure these rights that are given to the people by God uh, and to create circumstances where, like Paul writes to uh, Timothy, we can live peaceful and godly lives in, in, in order, first of all, in tranquility because our rights are secured and uh, in, in godliness and devotion, because our religious liberty is also secured by means of public laws and policies. We don't expect our uh, leaders necessarily to share our faith. I don't vote for somebody because he or she shares my faith. I vote for them because they're going to safeguard my right to live my faith. Uh, and... Uh, the Lord rewards all of this, as the reading says, by having Hezekiah prosper in all that he did. So we pray for this and about all this. So yesterday was primary election day in the state of Ohio uh, and also in Indiana, and we had some good victories. And of course, the president's uh, endorsed candidate in uh, Ohio won, uh, J.D. Vance, uh, for the Senate race. Uh, that is going to take place in Ohio. We have to take back the Senate, and and uh, J.D. Vance will be one of those who will uh, help ensure that we do so. Now, he has, let me read a little bit of something coming out of yesterday's uh, uh, primary. Uh, J.D. Vance, you know, if you follow these things, you know that uh, at a time he was, uh, he was an opponent of uh, President Trump. Uh, but during the presidency, uh, of Donald Trump and seeing the uh, accomplishments that were being made, he became a very avid fan of the president and a supporter. And ultimately for this Senate race, received President Trump's endorsement. And uh, that endorsement was on full display in the rally President Trump had in Ohio not that long ago. So in his victory last night, J.D. said, I absolutely got to thank the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, for providing, ladies and gentlemen, an example of what could be in this country. Remember 2019, when workers were doing well in this country, not struggling terribly. Thanks to the president for everything and for endorsing me. He then uh, took aim at the fake news media who were present for wanting to write a story that, quote, this campaign, the Vance campaign, would be the death of Donald Trump's America First agenda. And then he said, ladies and gentlemen, it ain't the death of the America First agenda. What kind of fantasy land are these fake news people living in that they could even think 
that our country is, or any particular campaign is anywhere near that. The America First agenda is the strongest force in American politics right now. Are they so blind that they don't see that? They're so disengaged. I mean, either you got to be completely blind or a, a complete liar. I mean, there really is, I mean, if you have some kind of, of third explanation, let me know. But this is really, really, they're so out of touch with where the American people are so completely out of touch that it is, it, it, it really, you know, we see this every single day. And yet, to me, it never ceases to boggle the mind that these things can even be thought, much less said. So Vance was trailing Ohio former uh, state treasurer Josh Mandel uh, by 28% to 23%, according to Real Clear Politics average, until President Trump endorsed him. And then, with more than 95% of the vote in uh, last night, Vance won 32.2% compared to Mandel at only 23.9. So again, the factor, we've talked about it before uh, here on this program, uh, the factor of the President Trump endorsement uh, continues to show its uh, influence in American politics. The reason, by the way, that that is the case is that circumstances are such that the agenda of MAGA, of America First, resonates with people in the light of everything that's going on. I mean, it's the circumstances plus the endorsement of the person who's leading that movement that creates the uh, the dynamic that we're uh, that we're seeing. Okay, second point. Uh, you heard yesterday, no doubt, all the uh, the news commentary, and it'll continue for a while now in the news cycle about the uh, the issue I deal with full-time, the abortion issue, and how the Supreme Court um, is about to rule in this Dobbs case. And we see a, a victory on the horizon because the draft opinion in this case, just a draft, it's being modified, uh, and uh, nothing is official until the court officially releases it. But nevertheless, uh, it looks qu- quite clear that the court is going to do exactly what uh, Mississippi and we and other petitioner, other uh, uh, friends of the court have petitioned it to do, which is to change our national approach to abortion. In federal policy for the last 50 years, oddly and really unconstitutionally, the states have not been able, nor the federal government for that matter, the Congress, have not been able to protect babies in the womb prior to viability. It's like, how, what kind of sense does that make? Where is that in the Constitution? It's nowhere. Where is that in the history of our country's laws and traditions? Nowhere. It was made up out of thin air at the time of Roe versus Wade, which came down in 1973. And since then, I'm going to give you a number here. 63 and a half million lives have been taken of children living and growing in the womb. Think of Psalm 139, praising God for wondrously creating us, knitting us together in our mother's womb. If that's the work of God, then whose work is it to tear them apart and throw them away? 
But that's what abortion does. And it's 63 and a half million lives since this Roe v. Wade decision came down. You see, it's not because the people of America want to kill these babies that all these abortions are happening. It's because the courts have put an obstacle in the way to the enactment of many, many protective laws that the states passed before and have continued to pass during these last 50 years, but the courts have have blocked uh, uh, most of them. A lot of regulatory laws have, in fact, been enacted and have been saving lives, like the prohibition on... Uh, on our Medicaid tax dollars from going to abortion has saved two and a half million lives. That's been documented. The so-called Hyde Amendment that the Democrats want to get rid of haven't been able to do so yet. But uh, you see the the, um, the 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 struggle that's going on. Literally a life and death struggle on this issue. So what's happening now is that the court is apparently ready to rule that this matter should not be blocked anymore by the courts. The, the, the ruling would not make abortion illegal. The ruling would say if, this, if the legislators, duly elected and accountable of the people, both on the federal level and the state level, want to protect these children in the womb, they can do so. There's no constitutional reason to... Uh, uh, to make uh, abortion continue if the elected lawmakers and the people of a state or of the nation, again, through Congress, want to protect these uh, these children. So that's the big that's a big change that gives more power to you. That's in line with the one of the key principles of this MAGA movement, like President Trump said on the day of his inauguration at the beginning of 2017. Remember, he said. This is not about the transfer of power from one party to another. It's about the transfer of power from Washington, D.C. to you, the people. And that's very much the dynamic of what this Dobbs case is about and now this leaked opinion. Now, we condemn the fact that it was leaked, that this was, uh, well, it just goes to show that the people on the left are, it's another act of uh, irrational desperation on their part. You know, this has never been done before. You break the protocol of secrecy and confidentiality of the Supreme Court. But that just, that's in, that's very much in character with them. Uh, but, 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 but what this is about is, is very much a manifestation of that, that MAGA principle that the power belongs to the people. This country doesn't belong to, uh, radical left wing, no matter how powerful they might be, people in various positions belongs to you. It belongs to you. And as for those on the other side, pro-abortion people who are yelling and screaming, oh, they're taking away our right to abortion. No, what the court is saying to you is make your case. If you think it's okay to tear these babies apart, make your case. Show us what that is. Show us why it should be allowed. Convince the voters, convince the lawmakers. That's the way policymaking is supposed to work in America. Power of persuasion and then the power of the vote, not hiding behind the robes of the justices and saying, oh, but they said it's a constitutional right. It is not a constitutional right to abort a baby. The right doesn't exist. It was made up. It's imaginary. And now the court is going to set that record straight. So, um, all right, you can find out more about all this at supremecourtvictory.com. 
the Biden Ministry of Truth. How about that one? The uh, uh, agency that he has uh, constructed here for uh, doubling down on disinformation. Saw this interesting uh, email come out. Uh, the Biden Ministry of Truth has Biden speak guidelines. Failure to comply can be a thought crime. Extraordinary growth. What do those words mean? Well, they mean when the economy when the economy shrinks 1.4%. That's extraordinary growth. Extraordinary success. They use those words to refer to when you leave Americans behind terrorist lines and hand a safe haven to the Taliban. That's an extraordinary success. They're following the guidebook pretty well so far. Uh, operational control. That's another phrase they use. Throwing the border. Here's what it means. Throwing the border open. Wide open to allow over 600,000 illegal immigrants to cross the border and escape into the U.S., in less than 15 months. That's oh, it's operational control. Of course it is. Disinformation. What's, different, what's their definition of disinformation? Any speech we don't like. See, Elon Musk said recently, here's free speech. Here's what free speech means. When someone you don't like can say something you don't like, and he's not shut down, not silenced, not punished, it's a free speech country. It's a free speech constitution. Somebody Now, if that means that somebody you don't like can say something you don't like, then what it also means is that somebody who doesn't like you or what you say can't stop you from saying it. Obviously, it cuts both ways. And what it also means is that... I, in saying what I want to say, should be able to say so freely without fear. If you're afraid to say what you think, that's a sign that you're no longer living in a free country. To be able to say what you think. And then there's another implication to this uh, free speech as well. That you've got to accept, see, if you accept and if you want to have the situation where you can say something that somebody else doesn't like, and somebody else that doesn't like you or doesn't like what you say cannot stop you from saying it, you've also got to accept that the other side of that coin is that sometimes you're going to be upset by something that is said. And our rights in this country do not include the right to never get upset. That's a silly idea of, of the left as well. It's like, oh, well, you know, uh, what that person did or said upset me. Well, welcome to the world of free speech. When people have freedom of speech, yeah, sometimes you're going you're gonna to get you're gonna get annoyed when you hear certain things. But what's the alternative? If they have the freedom to say it, it's because you also have the freedom to say what you think. And yeah, you have the freedom to annoy somebody else if, if, if they don't like what you say. Grow up. That, that's the so what? So what? That's the situation. That's the price of freedom is that we make space for the other person's freedom. The price to pay, free speech is free, but the price, at, on the other hand, that it comes with is that we have to allow that, allow room for that experience of being upset at times 
with something somebody else is saying. But we defend their right to say it. And when it comes to free speech, what does the Biden speak guideline say? Well, there's no new definition because the phrase has been banned. Yeah, this is uh, uh, this kind of a commission is bad news. It's really bad. Um, you just don't do this in a free society. You don't set up a government-sponsored agency of the, uh, 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 to deal with disinformation. As I said on a previous episode, fighting falsehoods, correcting untruths and lies, especially if the information can be dangerous to the public, needs to be an integral standard, functional aspect of absolutely every agency of government all the time. You don't set up a separate agency to deal with disinformation because then you're trying to make the government the arbiter of truth. It's not. And you get the wrong people in power and all of a sudden the truth depends on power. Truth has to be free to challenge power. Truth cannot be determined by power. But to say that it's a functional aspect of every agency, in other words, whatever work you're doing, you've got to be committed to truth. That's what it is. You have to have the commitment to truth. That doesn't come from a government agency. That comes from the proper attitude of your own mind and heart and soul that, hey, I'm going to do my work. Whatever my work is, I'm overseeing agriculture, I'm overseeing energy, I'm overseeing education, I'm overseeing national security, whatever your, whatever the work is, you got to be committed to truth in the process. And if the wrong information is being given to the public, and oh, by the way, maybe the media has to have this as a virtue also, well, then you've got to correct it yourself. You don't rely on a government agency to give you the standard truth. That is highly dangerous. And those are the dangerous waters into which we're walking now. And so as we pray now again, let's, uh, let's pray for protection from that. And let's pray about all the other things that we just talked about. Lord, we come before you praying for America. First of all, Lord, we want to pray for all our viewers and all the prayer intentions that they have left in the comments or that they have in their hearts. Uh, Lord, all of us together, united as brothers and sisters, pray for one another. We pray especially for the children in every family, born and unborn. Uh, Lord God, give us a nation where those unborn children will have their right to life as securely protected as ours is, and that nobody may think that there's some kind of constitutional right to kill them. Uh, what, a, what a dangerous idea. But Lord, give them protection and give us all the ability to welcome children. Uh, but Lord, bless this country with freedom of speech. Bless us with the maturity that enables us to realize that, yes, we will hear things we don't like from people we don't like, and that's okay. They have the freedom to say it. We have the freedom to say things that upset them. But meanwhile, we respect everyone's rights. We respect everyone's freedom to advocate for their positions and freedom of speech is protected precisely because some are going to get upset and try to shut us up or shut us down. And this is not, not the way that we advance any particular position. So where the spirit of the Lord is, O oh God, as your word says, there is freedom. I believed, therefore I spoke, your word says. Cry out full-throated and unsparingly, the prophet Isaiah proclaims. Enable us, Lord, through public policy 
and through just admonishing and instructing one another, enable us to preserve this great gift of freedom of speech at all times and for all generations. Lord, we ask you to bless the candidates as the primaries in the various states now continue. Ohio and Indiana having just concluded theirs. Bless all those who have run in these elections. Bless all those who have won these elections. Bless all the voters. And Lord, enable people throughout our nation to awaken to their responsibility to vote, their responsibility to know the candidates, and their responsibility to stay involved after those candidates are elected to office, that they may lobby them, that they may communicate with them, that they may assist them to pass the right kind of laws. We ask this and all things in the name of Jesus the Lord. And we follow now his command as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good to be with you, friends. Stay connected with Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. With me at FR Frank Pavone on all the social media networks. Make sure you get your account on Truth Social. So you'll find me there at FR Frank Pavone. You see the address on the screen. And uh, let's stay connected. Let's stay encouraged and tell others about the program. We'll join you again tomorrow. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.